Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 707. Uh, this is postponed from last week, because last week uh, I was a little under the weather. I was in the full the full swing of COVID, although, I, as I understand it, I got away with it pretty lightly compared to many, many, many people. But uh, still, not a pleasant thing to have. Um, and I think, I thought I was back, and I, I still do still sound a little bit off and I'm still not quite as sharp as I thought I was, but I'm still prepared to give it a go because I'm just gagging to talk to people. It's the isolation. I can't take it. Anyway, um, this is episode 707 of the Sonic Talk podcast, which is to do with music technology, software production, streaming, anything to do with the kind of the stuff surrounding uh, mergers and acquisitions as well, I might say. Uh, but um, this week uh, we have uh, four, well, a, a very fulsome panel. I want to say thank you very much to our friends over at Isotope. We'll be getting a uh, uh, a little bit of news for them uh, from them a bit, a bit later on. And also, we just got some last-minute topic in, which I will uh, mention to the panellists now, because they'll be going, what? Um, which is the new uh, Korg... Uh, VST versions of the OP6 and also the Wave State, which have just come out, literally just been announced. So we will talk about that a little later. If anyone needs to do any swatting up, um, I'll, I'll, I'll allow that. I mean, we'll just have to... You, you can all be very, uh, very soft on us because this week... I'm a bit less than sharp, so you know we can all be a little bit mellower. I want to say hello and thank you very much to everybody in the chat room. Uh, hopefully, we've got our IRC chats going in there as well. We're trying a new thing where we're trying to get that. We've got the IRC and we've got Discord as well. Um, this is all part of a, of a new plan to try and uh, bring everything together so we can do questions and hashtags and polls and things. But on our own system rather than somebody else's. Anyway, I um, want to say thank you to everybody for joining us. And I guess I should introduce some people because I'm realizing I'm starting to waffle quite heavily, which is entirely possible this week. So we'll start. Let's start with Mr. Yoad Nevo. We haven't seen him for ages. Yoad, of course, there in Nevo yeah, Sound, hi. his fabulous studio. I'm just trying to see if there's anything new on the on the desk there. I'm a little, the fader port. That's not new. Um, no, pretty much. I think you pretty much got um, Pretty much the same, where you mix pretty and, much uh, the and same master except, and produce. Except for an EX800 and um, and Mini and um, what's it called? Uh, Base Station 1 that I found on eBay and I couldn't resist. You know, the, the EX800, which is like the Poly 800 um, oh, rack. Oh, it's like a, a oh, rack. Oh, okay. Uh, nice. I just love that synth, and I couldn't resist the price. And although I have a base station one, uh, it's it's never a bad thing to have two. A spare. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, of course, the base station two is duophonic, so you could have you could always uh, you know. Well, anyway, it's a different, it's a slightly different thing, but it's similar. Yeah, I, I love the base station too. I really love it, and I, I was thinking about the summit because it's a similar kind of engine, but just with a lot of you know more voices and two engines, dual engine, and all that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's and nice it's that, and it's the, but also the iridium. You know, the the world of iridium is very, very tempting. Very tempting. It's, it is. It's really. We talked about this last week, and it's one of those synthesizers that's really interesting. You have to experience it in the flesh to get the most of it. For some reason, it doesn't seem to translate 
over a third party because when you have it in your hands i mean it's an astonishingly well-built thing it feel, i mean um simon forsyth uh, chevy trailer uh, he lent me his iridium the desktop because there's now the keyboard version isn't there mm-hmm. and i was just sort of i was sort of salivating over that it's just so beautifully made and everything is just sort of feels it, it draws you in and makes you program and, and i've never and i always feel like with a synth like that as soon as you start programming it and playing with the presets you you sort of you put part of yourself in it and you become a, a part of it and you have an ownership of it and it's one of those things that you you don't want to flip presets you just got to get in there and uh, so i can i can thoroughly recommend it yeah if you're looking for even more keys in your life well i'm not but uh, some things are just <laughs> you know inevitable too tempting too tempting yeah. well of course uh, in between that music production songwriting and of course developing for waves i'm sure you've been very busy so i'm very pleased to have you with us so thank you very much oh, uh we'll also say hello to uh, mr rich hilton who's over there in uh, connecticut uh where he's well i don't know what he's doing today but he's on the show which is great <laughs> but he's a uh, uh, performs live with chic and does a lot of studio duties and also produces and engineers for other projects as well how are you rich are you well Yes, thank you. I am well. And uh, what am I doing? I'm busily packing because the road starts here. It's like that part of the uh, Wizard ah. of Oz where you're looking at the swirling yellow bricks that take you out of town. Well, this begins right now. Uh, we're playing a festival on Friday in Columbia, opening for the oh, Foo Fighters. And then uh, we'll come back and then go pretty much straight to the UK where we're doing a benefit for Ukraine um, this coming week, uh, next week. Nice. And then I'll be around London for a few days, for those of you who may be around London for a few days. Uh, with only basically to, one would... thing I have to do, so I've got some time. That would be great. Assuming, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of unable to travel at the moment. I mean, it's, what's been yeah, really weird about the COVID thing is our daughter um, is doing exams at the moment. So she just got out of town. She just went, I'm off. I'm out of here. There's no way I'm going to catch it. So she went to stay. Uh, fortunately, a friend of hers had a, an empty flat. So she's kind of essentially had a trial run at leaving home, which has been very weird scenario. But I'd, I'd love to try and get to see you, Rich. That would be fantastic. Well, as far as you and I goes, um, we're going to be in in and around UK and Europe for basically two months this summer. So, uh, Oh, brilliant. We will have other opportunities and it doesn't have to be now. Ah, okay. Well, that's good to know. Good to know. And also we have Mr. Dominic Hawkin, AKA Mr. Wigley, who is, who is of course, uh, well, not only is he uh, a producer and a songwriter in his own right, but Mr. Wiggly, uh, maker of the fantastic, uh, I've, I've, now this is mrwiggly.co.uk. Go there and find an incinerator plugin, which is uh, somebody's book for audio processing. And I'm sure there's more Very kind. coming Thank you so down much. the line somewhere. It works a lot better than the IRC code is at the moment. So that's kind of cool. Oh. It's one of those things <laughs> that we can only kind of only test when we're live. So uh, something switches between uh, not being live and live. However, by the end of the program, it'll probably be uh, be a happening buddy because it worked in all the tests. So uh, that's kind of cool. But yeah, the plugin works a great deal better than our, the IRC gateway that I uh, wired together with bits of string. <laughs> Well, that's all right. I mean, I, you know, this, for those of you who perhaps missed the intro, we're trying to post all of the IRC chat and all of the chats into YouTube. And Dom has very kindly put together some, uh, some, some string and elastic bands uh, to enable that to happen. Anyway, um, I guess we can get on with the show. Uh, we've probably, 
<laughs> That's a, a little evidence of my little cough there. Uh, let's see where we could start. Um, Ah, this was great. This was what a great documentary. This I'll play the beginning. Uh, this is probably NS, not suitable for work. Just the initial opening. They chose to use this, and I think it really does um, create the perfect sort of sense of maybe how Alison is, uh, Alison Moy is, and what what a good good fun she must be to be around. So here we Come go. Come on, it's um, cold. <laughs> can I go? You can go. Oh, I'm gonna go. angry if you don't like one of your own records they, they feel betrayed and it's like what I'm trying to say to you it is like a first husband it's perfectly lovable perfectly attractive perfectly deserving of your love you're not saying you never wanted that time with him you just never want to fuck him again it's a I'll stop it just there, but I just thought, what a great... And it, 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 the whole tone of this documentary is fantastic. Uh, this is from 2008, Swedish TV station SVT, Hidlatens Historia, and I think that's kind of pop pop hits, roughly, translate. Scandinavians do a really good line of this. I think I did one of, uh, for Danish TV about Tom's Diner ages ago, which is a very similar sort of sentiment and vibe, um, although obviously this... The, 40 years since only you is the subject of this one and it's just i just think it's a really good they actually managed to get um uh vince clark on camera and he is notoriously difficult to film and to to kind of get to talk on anything and they managed to kind of draw out of him this the, uh, the real sense of maybe how it works i just thought it was fascinating not only is it a great tune um because as we know vince clark is a fantastic songwriter very pop i think he kind of maybe started out thinking he wasn't a, a, a fantastic pop artist and now uh, you know as, as with many of us we thought we were doing experimental art and kind of things that were really unusual which back in the beginning of electronica that would have been the case but he writes these really strong pop anthems and that only you was probably one of the first i guess the depeche mode was art before that actually maybe depeche mode was before because he'd left and then yeah that's right but it's a fantastic documentary and i just thought great and I've, I've never seen Alison Moyer live I'd love to see her live I've never met her I've never heard her speak or anything I know Rich um, you have had the pleasure of certainly being around her I don't know kind of what but it's a great it, it, what a great piece of uh, did you get to see the whole thing I thought it was fantastic I did watch the whole video and it was a lot of fun and really fun to see her talking because it reminded me of the brief time we spent together 10 years ago at a concert that we were putting on in Montreux uh, for the jazz festival there, which was just completely packed with guest artists, and we were sort of the the hosts and the house band of sorts. And in her case, it was her coming to sing to track on various songs, and I was kind of in charge of running the tracks and making the edits work uh, that would give it the proper length. And because she was a little uncomfortable with the fact that these were arrangements she hadn't sung before, she wanted to spend some time sort of in rehearsal with the track. And so we ended up spending a bunch of time together and I really enjoyed her. I had no idea who she was. I wasn't familiar with any of the music. Um, I had never heard of Yazoo, uh, but all that said, it was great fun. She was great. I enjoyed her thoroughly. I thought we, we hit it off really well. And uh, as part of the concert, it went off very smoothly and was well appreciated. So I really enjoyed seeing her talking because it reminded me of her and the things. Yeah, it's a great, th it, it, it is a great piece. And it, there's just so many interesting things about it. One of the big interesting things I thought was the fact that um, essentially they, they didn't know each other. 
I think Vince phoned her up and said, oh, do you want to come and sing on a track? They sang on the track, and then she left. And then suddenly it's a massive hit, and they've got to do all this promo, and they have no history together as a band. Uh, they've got to throw, they throw an album together. They th they do, they're suddenly kind of like, oh, wow, now we need product. And it, it was all very, there's, you know, often with bands, there's a sort of bit of shared history and a bit of this, and there was just none of that. And it, I just thought that was fascinating. And it's really interesting because you don't, I mean, you do get it quite often with singers who are working with producers because it's like maybe a one-off, they'll sing on a track and do a top line or whatever. But back then it was, the, the, things were a bit more traditional, I think, and there was a bit more... Th I just thought it was fascinating. I mean, yo, I, I don't know if you... I mean, being... Uh, working in sort of the, the pop field that you have and you do, I mean, this sort of thing does happen a bit more often where people just sort of get thrown together and then suddenly it's like, okay, now we're doing promo tours. Now we're now we're a thing and we all I did was come and sing on a couple of tracks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to witness a few kind of studio... Um, mergers, uh, you know, or sort of uh, just getting people together uh, in the studio in a, in a somewhat of a, almost a random process uh, and seeing it becoming uh, becoming something uh, something big. So uh, it's it's nice to you know you work in the studio and, and you're quite isolated and you're doing your thing. And it's not like you're doing it for anything, or at least that's my feeling, for anyone. You're just, you're just jamming and, and making music. And then when, when it gets out of, of this room and, and kind of spreads and, uh, uh, around and, you know, the, the, the first time I had, um, I think, a top 10, or I think it was even number one with the, that was one of the first things I've, I've done here with, um, with Boyzone. Boyzone. Um, I did some programming on a song which was number one. And, uh, just as I arrived here and, uh, and you know, it was a, it, it was a, a new country for me, new, t new city, everything. Yeah. And then the thought, the thought that someone in a in a like a I don't know a car garage or something in East London or North of England or something playing this song that I've worked on um, is is a very sort of heartwarming uh, feeling. So it's nice to see in that video how unassuming it it started and how mm. things just happen. And when you have talented people. And they both are immensely talented. I mean, uh, um, it's great, great to see that. And and also, you know, the the video is all in Swedish, and it's almost like because I know the subject material, uh, you you I didn't really feel, I didn't really mind it. I kind of understood everything, yes. and and it's yeah. like it's it's at, at moments it seemed like and like English with the funny accent. Um, <laughs> uh, because I could literally understand some of the sentence structures and things like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah interesting. The, the familiarity. 
Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, I know, Dom, you, you, you've written some hits and, you know, done the, the, the magic has happened. But the thing that I found really interesting about this was uh, because of the insight with Vince Clark, um, like I say, there's very few interviews. Actually, the funny story we did do, we shot an interview uh, at, at the Roundhouse where Mute did one of their early um, kind of, you know, celebrations of Mute and Vince was there. And we were kind of, can we talk to Vince? Can we talk to Vince? And we went on and on and ages. And Tara Bush was there as well. And we got to talk to Vince and we shot this interview. And Tara completely fell apart. She was totally starstruck, as, starstruck as, I, as was I. And Vince is amazingly reticent with a terrible lighting. And he, he literally looks like he's being interviewed for a serious, some kind of seriously imprisonable offence under, under this light. And he's like, I'm not telling you coppers nothing. You know, and, uh, I found that video the other day. I don't know if I'll ever play it. But uh, anyway, uh, but it was great to see. I mean, the fact that he plays, he writes everything on a guitar. Right. Writes on guitar, doesn't he? Yeah, I knew that. I mean, I didn't know that. It makes so much sense. I mean, I'm I'm a real fanboy. I I just love that stuff. I've I've met him once in a studio when we were all working together, and it wasn't a moment where I could say, "Oh, I love you." Um, But sitting in the corner with his 2600 in his headphones on, making a snare drum at Marcus or Studio or something in London. But I mean, just amazing. And I've worked in. uh, He he had a programming room set up for a while. which we used to rent. So it was really useful that, you know, like these wonderful synths and stuff that he wasn't, obviously he wasn't in there all the time. So he used to let us go in and uh, and use them where we did a lot of our pre-production and stuff. Um, but yeah, amazing. And I mean, he, he, he actually sort of explains it in the video where he's saying, well, you know, I don't get distracted by making different sounds. I just want to come out yeah. with the songs. So I've got my acoustic guitar and then when it works in my head, you know, I don't just go, oh, yeah, 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 that's a great noise and forget about the song, which is actually really astute. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely perfect pop. And again, I've, I've said it before, but, you know, we'd build some of those tracks just with a 2600 um, line by line. So put the kick drum down, then put the snare drum down, then the hi-hat down, then the riffs and stuff um, coming out of one machine half the time. And, and so, so good. And I think I think probably um, Alice and I got a little bit of a bad rep back in the day for being kind of difficult to work with. And when you've got oh, the two extremes of, do you know what I mean? You've got the, the probably the nicest, probably quite shy, but very restrained Vince and completely the opposite in this lovely bubbly girl who explains very well in the video that she was in a punk band and she, she just answered the phone to Vince to come and sing on his demo. And then a week later, she's on top of the pops doing pop. I can see why it didn't quite fit with the master plan. Um, um, and she just comes across as really, really lovely. And the, the brilliant thing is that towards the end, you know, they did some kind of um, reunion gig for some fans in in sort of uh, 2017 or something. And it, she said it was absolutely lovely because I I got to properly sort of thank him to say, you know, God, those 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 few years were like completely mad, weren't they? But thank you so much, you know, you you changed my life. It's a it's a completely amazing thing. So yeah, really wonderful, right up my street. Definitely worth a watch. On, Lovely on, stories. What well, my favourite story in there was, uh, and and then they show it was when they were on top of the pops the first time. They're getting ready to go on. Vince, you know, there's a backing okay. track, and then uh, Alison comes up to play, and she yeah. just suddenly, as but as she gets up on stage, she realises that they've never rehearsed the song. She's never <laughs> sung it through apart from when she recorded <laughs> it, and she doesn't know how it goes basically. So right yeah. at the beginning, there's she comes in at the wrong place, and the vocal the vocal starts because I think they did, they had a sort of ghost vocal behind, yeah, and she just said it was sudden that sudden realisation at the mo- at that time. I mean, and that is. What a time to suddenly think, 
oh, wait a minute, I don't know the song. You know, that, that's like that dream, isn't it? When you're on, I have this dream quite often where I'm on stage, I have no trousers on, uh, I just happen to be on the side, and, and somebody I know in the band says, oh, I really need to go to the loo or something. Can you, uh, can you jump in and do this? And it's one, two, three, four, and I don't know the song, I don't know the chords, I don't know the instrument, you know, and it's that moment that feels like that was the real thing. <laughs> just, I just yeah. thought that was absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. It's totally and, and lovely. Isn't as it? a sort of... Yeah, as a not very accomplished musician myself, I know that, I, I mean, I'm sure, like, Rich, you could probably handle that because you could figure it out, vamp it, you know, get away with it, whereas I, I would. <laughs> I was just going to say. Not singing. I, about 85% of that story is stuff that I've done. The only thing I haven't done is, a pre, is appear on the stage before I was fully clothed, but I have dressed on stages more than once, not in sight of the audience. But there were cases during what I call the infamous Summer of Mud tour where the only sensible thing was just take your clothes, go straight to the stage, put them on, take them off after the show. You do not want to walk through that stuff in the white clothes we were wearing. So... Um, oh, wow. I've dressed on many a stage in your country, as a matter of fact. Um, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, well, it's, you know, need, need, nor should anybody be, but no, nobody needs to see that. It, you know, <laughs> I'm as discreet as I can be. I get behind uh, cases and stuff, but I'm not walking through oh, that dear. stuff in white clothes. So sorry. Yeah, always tricky with a televised gig. You never know where a cameraman's going to be lurking, do you? That's the problem. I oh, I don't so, care. Yeah, but... <laughs> I'm, you know, it's show business. There's no business. Yeah, business. I know. I know what you're saying. Uh, anyway, great, great. Um, um, just a great piece and a really good celebration of that. And just a sort of the, the, the joy and the way um, that, because Daniel Miller's in it being interviewed and he was sort of saying that their recollections are slightly different and there's a little bit of uh, bounce between them. And it's great. I mean, it's just, it's, like a really, it's just a great story. I just thought, what fun that is. Right. I think uh, while I've still got my mental capacity, I'm just going to bring in uh, a, a, a message from our friends over at Isotope because otherwise I'm just not going to remember to do it. And I, I, I don't want to forget that because we appreciate their support. Isotope Producers Club is a one of a kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs, and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And we thank them for their continued support of the, sh the su support of the show. Oh, look, we've got a new landing page as well. I sent them a logo, and I wondered whether it was all right. And uh, so, yeah, if you go to Sonic Talk wow. slash uh, Isotope slash Sonic Talk, look, they've put our logo in there. Look oh, at that. Fine. 
Woo! 10% off any Isotope plugin purchase if you use the code SONIC10 if you go to isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk. And there's a St. Patrick's Day flash sale, which you will also save on as well. So, um, yes, thank you very much to everybody. Right, I, I guess um, this is now I've got to figure out where to go next because there's just so much stuff uh, that because I had a load of topics lined up for last week. Maybe what we should do is do the kind of the, the breaking news, which is the uh, uh, the Korg wave state and OP6 as, uh, as native. So if I do that, uh, that's going to be this guy. I'll do this quickly. Yeah, this is the news that they've released. What was just hardware, they've released now as standalone uh, or plugins. So we get the OP6 and we've also got the wave state as purely software which is kind of interesting because it's a direct comparison to a piece of hardware that's out. Looks very native instruments. We'll sit all of the stuff. Anyway, yeah, we get all the usual thing. But yeah, this literally broke just before the show. They're not, I mean, 149 bucks. And that's an introductory price. Uh, I think there's a web page here, isn't there? Ope6 native. Uh, and there's a demo and stuff. Just kind of an interesting idea. I mean, I re I've been sort of building a bit of gas for the Up6 because I, I, I remember when I had it, I just found it a really nice way to get hands onto FM. I'm not sure how I'd feel about that in in, in a in software, um, just purely because the, the reason I liked it was because I had hands on hardware to an FM sound. I'll come to you first, yeah, because I mean, you build, you've built FM uh, instruments. You've done a great piece for us on how FM works. Uh, have you tried the Op6 or, or, and the uh, WaveStar? I mean, it's just an interesting idea that these versions are at the same at, at the same time as you can buy the hardware. Absolutely. I mean, I've I've been debating about the the Op6 because I really wanted to have it. And I have the Minilog XT, and I think they're in the same form factor, and it could really fit in here as well. But I love the XD; it's analog. It's you know, it's kind. It's not a classic classic, but it's it's a good thing. Um, for me, this is perfect because the reason I can't um, buy these these synths is because they're hardware, and I don't have anywhere to put them. I mean, I can put them in the live room. I have a few synths there, but then. It beats the point, you know, you want it, at least that's my philosophy. I want everything accessible and on and immediate. If I have to to get a kettle lead and a jack lead and MIDI and all that, then, you know, it's not what, I, what I'm after. So for me, it's perfect. And I love that. I love interfacing with, with software um, since the days of MIDI Quest and... Um, sound diver and all that you know and and building my my system exclusive maps um as as you know uh, yeah. so I, I don't have a problem with that i i actually like it and and sometimes i prefer even with the polysix it's it sounds funny but even with the polysix which is just there or the even the juno I, I can sit here and with the controller, you know, uh, we built, I can control everything from here. So even an analog synth, which is the, the ultimate hand on hands on experience. Right. I You're still not touching it. it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just, uh, I don't have any problem with that. Uh, and for me, it's a great way of exper you know, experiencing that those uh, two, two engines, which, uh, and also there's another thing, there's always been a myth about 
um, you know, something about hardware since since the early days of, of the virus, when the virus came, when the Access virus came out. Uh, obviously, there were no plugins. There were no synth, synth plugins back then. But when you talk about the virus, it's it's a digital, it's an algorithmic synthesizer. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's basically a plugin in a box. But uh, especially on the in the early days of of digital synths, there was a great significance to the converters and the the process going through the converters uh, that made those synths. I, I just fired up the Proteus the original Proteus that I have from from back when. And yeah, there's something, there's a character about about those machines because they, they the, the converters and the whole 12-bit and, and all those kind of um, manipulations they did to save memory and to smoothen the, the files and uh, the, the stream and all that, the audio stream. Uh, <coughs> It it had a, it had some character. I'm sure that now with those new Korgs, if you have it one by one, the the um, the op six uh, uh, hardware against the plugin, and you have decent converters, and you have a way of a being it properly, I'm sure it will sound very similar because the converters on there, I'm sure, are very transparent and have have great headroom and stuff in in a similar way to your sound card that will be playing back. Your your plugin of, of your your op six uh, plugin. So um, it's kind of I think that that's the last. And again with the with the Roland boutiques, I don't I don't believe that anyone. I can't I, I don't know that for a fact, but I can't believe that anyone would say yeah. There's something about the J03 or whatever it's called the the Juno. Uh, J06, I, I think. Uh, there's something about uh, about that that sounds good uh, because it's hardware, uh, because it's essentially an algorithmic process in a box with decent converters. So I think that anything from the past 10, 15 years would sound quite transparent. And uh, mm. so what yeah, I'm, I'm trying sure to say right. is the comparison between the hardware op six and the plugin. It should be the same thing as, as like exactly. Well, it's all. I mean, it is all DSP anyway. I mean, as you know, I think I I didn't. I was I opened the wave. I can't remember which one. I opened one of them, and there was basically a Raspberry Pi Zero in there. So it was just code. It's so it's down to the UI and whatnot. But it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's the UI itself. You know, the actual hardware experience that appeals to me about the Op Six. So I'm kind of like, it's just so interesting that because both are still current and both are still available, you know. That they re that also that they've released a software version, and I'm wondering whether maybe this is partly to do with the, the fact that it's harder to move stuff around the world, harder to find the components, you know, supply mm -hmm. chains. I don't know whether that's the case. Future, I don't know, Rich. You look you look like you're pondering that thought right there. That's an interesting idea. I don't th I don't know that it was motivated. And first of all, every I second every single syllable of what Yoad just said, and to actually stand on the shoulders of that wonderful point. Then you've got the analog electronics behind all of that, from instrument to instrument, all of them being different, even sometimes along the progress of a single company's hardware line, things get worse occasionally, like the output electronics also 
have, uh, after all of that other perfectly, absolutely righteous stuff that Yoad just said, then you've got, what, mm. what did they skimp on in the output? Because it's got to spit out an analog signal at some point, assuming you're taking it. Yeah. Out of the, I'm the sure they didn't put Burr Brown at 192k for 24 bit in there. That's for sure. So as it relates to these two pieces of software, like him, I'm sort of their boy with this because I don't really have a giant hardware setup here, and I don't really want a giant. Unlike Yoad, I don't really want a giant hardware setup here. So I'm quite happy to play this thing in the computer where and when I need it. And I actually think, yeah, both of these things, based on what I've heard, sound great. So to be able to buy them. Um, for what is not an absurd amount of money, is at all. Is well, and also cool if you, if you own if if you own either of them, uh, there's a cross grade, so you could just buy the software for forty nine bucks if you're if you already if own, you the own the hardware. Kind of cool yeah, cool. So, so nice how about idea. if you own almost all of their synthesizer software? <laughs> I don't know. Nice you I, well, I mentioned that there, maybe there's a bundle. I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that, but I guess it makes sense to do it with the hardware. I know, Dom, this is interesting. Have you tried the Op6? I mean, it's the one thing that I, I really did enjoy uh, reviewing it, and I really enjoyed the sounds I was able to get out of it because they were very not like how I would normally program it. Yeah, sound. absolutely. I no, I saw your review, and uh, sorry, carry on. You found that... The I f I'm sorry, I found that like you know, just making sine waves interact with each other was more fun. You know, just on a basis yeah. that basis without any FM. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I remember you. Uh, you were saying how good it was. It's absolutely, absolutely brilliant. I love it. I mean, I, I'm, ironically, I want to move more into plugins again because I've I've got a wave state. I've got no more room. Um, I've got no more spare hands. Um, and I like the idea that this stuff is is now kind of. Uh, proclaiming that it is, you know, a unique copy. It's the same algorithms internally in the computer as it is there. So I often wondered whether the difference between, um, let's say, uh, the software versions on Roland Cloud and the boutique versions in a box were really the sound of the headphone amp or the or the, the op amps on the output, you know, yeah. are actually yeah. colouring the sound more than anything, you know. So it's nice to see someone saying, okay, here's the here's here's the algorithms in a box, you know, that you can run in your own virtual environment, and and off you go. A bit like there's a headless version. Of of the M, it's the M8, is it? The the tracker, really cool looking handheld tracker device called an M8, which is based on a Raspberry Pi. Um, and so on the face of it, you know, a reasonably expensive thing to purchase based on a Raspberry Pi in a box, but it's so much more than that um, in terms of the build quality yeah. and what goes into it. But they have released a headless version. So, you know, if you don't want all that build quality and stuff that goes surrounding it, you can run it up on a Raspberry Pi. So it's, it's all, we're almost maybe buy the hardware and get a free download of the software, like buy the, you know, buy the vinyl and get a free download of the digital audio. It's kind of quite a, yeah, a nice interesting. Yeah. conjunction, isn't it? I, I do like it. Yeah, and I suppose in many or or you know buy the buy the hardware and then then buy the synth again effectively well, because yeah, you can yeah. if you've got if you've got both but if you've got both you know you could work on the the, the the kind of sound creation part using the UI and then bring presumably bring the patches from the hardware into the software version yes and run it, you know that, that flow makes a lot of sense particularly for maybe for live and and other things so it kind of yeah it's an interesting idea anyway that was sort of hot news just out um so uh, uh, not a topic that was uh, originally slated but uh, a very interesting move I think uh, uh uh, yeah, so we'll see. Um, okay, right. I don't know where to go next because I've got an embarrassment of riches. I think um, oh, I, I, maybe I'll go with piano. 
Yeah, uh, let me see. What is it? I'm just trying to think what what to go with next. Oh, I, okay. I'm going to go with this because um, uh, uh, no, I'm not. Piano reels. Yeah, let's do a quick one because I think this is kind of this is kind of fun. So this is uh, it's very quiet. Invented around 1895, it sat in front of a regular piano, and the machine's wooden fingers would play the keys. Right. This is a really good video, which I will put a link to in the show notes. The reason this whole thing came up is because I was at a car boot sale a couple of weeks ago uh, prior to my infection. And I, a guy had a box of these, which, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And, uh, and uh, these are pianola reels, which, uh, as you can see, you know, it's just, and I just got me thinking a little bit about how they were. And some of these were really interesting because the, these, these essentially what they do is they perform a template over a load of pneumatic uh, pathways, which then are linked to piano keys. That as it rolls past, the keys play, and you have a, what's known as a player piano, which is something we're probably all familiar with, sort of from the turn of the century or last century, anyway. And um, I was just really intrigued by the whole process because in this one, this doesn't have it, but on some of them, what it would have is actual notes and lyrics printed in the spare place. So you, this would go past as the person who's operating the piano, but also they're still made and they're still made today by um, using MIDI. And there are different versions. I've got this version I've got here, which is called Pearls. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It's by uh, it's it's called Pearls. It's a novelette played by Billy Harvey, but it's it's done in a way where his actual playing or hers. I'm not sure if it's a guy or a girl because I couldn't find anything else. Was played into this rather than it be to a fixed tempo, rigid tempo, and gridded. It was actually the the dynamics and the variants were played into the recording of this, which was a, a real thing. And, and uh, so they would sort of capture. So I, I just thought this was MIDI at the beginning. And I just thought, wow, you know, this, this has been going for such a long time. We, we've all been going on how great MIDI is 30 years, but actually some form of it has really been going since sort of 1820 or something. I know, Rich, you're a big fan of mechanicals and player pianos and all that kind of stuff. So I know you probably had something you wanted to add to this, but just I, I wanted to bask in the marvel of this technology. Oh, I think you're muted. Take a drink. Take a drink. Okay. Um, yes, I am a huge fan of this stuff, and I love it. And yes, it was the recording medium of its day. Um, and if you want to get stupid and nerdy about it, that piece of paper with holes in it is the original digital data storage um, because it's yeah. either a hole or it's not a hole. And where it's a hole, it does something mechanical, and it plays a piano. There are recordings of Scott Joplin, Fats Waller, um, Jelly Roll Morton, uh, James P. Johnson, that were reproduced and CDs sold of their original performances of pieces that they wrote. And I was really, I have them over there in those giant unused racks of CDs. And uh, as a child, I was around a mechanical orchestra that played along with a uh, carousel that was in a, an amusement park, and it had dated back to the early quarter of the 1900s and um just in general was thrilled by this sort of thing and remained thrilled and the process of how it goes that's my uh, yeah i think it's, it's it's fascinating i mean there's a great uh, there's a great uh, um documentary uh, uh well there's several documentaries about it i just thought it was really good uh, dom i think we just had a recursive uh, 
IRC yep, overload there. Um, uh, uh, excellent. Um, good, yeah. work. good work. Good work. Good work. It's a live coding, uh, folks. I'm doing thought... it. I'm doing it on a punch card machine from an early uh, '60s mainframe computer as well. So it's taken me a little <laughs> bit of time to put the holes in, which brings me neatly along excellent. to the uh, the wonderful pianola playing thing, which obviously not sure if it predates those or whatever. But what fantastic! I absolutely love that stuff. It's absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's the the yeah, most it's wonderful brilliant. kind then, of. Um, yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. What's What's brilliant now is they've actually somebody has bothered to make an entire production line that starts with sort of MIDI recording of pianos into MIDI files, and then prints out into making these things again. And they've made mm. they, you know the, 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 that's that video I started playing. I put the, like I say I put the link in the show notes was an explanation of that. And somebody's actually bothered to do it, and they still make them. And they and I was looking on eBay the other day at a player piano, a working player piano, which is a thing of immense technical complexity, came up for like 200 quid. I was like, what the heck? I mean, just, they, they were, wow. but I think it's, it's hard to forget how, or how, there were so many of these things made. I don't know. Have you ever been in the same room as one, uh, Yoad? Um, no, I haven't, uh, but, but I love the concept. I mean, it's, so th there are two, there are two points here for me. One is like you mentioned, that's a digital form of a digital format of, um, storing real time events or music as we, as some people call it. Um, so, um, the interesting thing, when you think about it, weaving is actually, which actually goes back very like further further back, uh, maybe over a thousand years or something, oh, yeah. is a digital, it's a digital format as well. You have a grid and you have pixels and that's your, your template. And then you run, you know, the, the thread across and, and creating basically words, which each one has the number of bits, bits as the same number of, of, of uh, threads you have horizontally, um, vertically if you like. So that's, that's your, sorry, that's your sample rate, if you like. So the, the, the has been, it, it's great to see a digital representation, um, or a digital format, um, manifested in a mechanical way. I think that's, that's always interesting to see. Um, the one thing I basically, when you look at this, um, this, this punched card, which is essentially what it is, um, it's binary. So there's, there's either, either a hole or not. So you have the, you have the position, you have the key, like, like in MIDI, the, the key note, if the key number, if you like, and then you have the timing, but you don't have any information about regarding dynamics. So it's purely on or off. And, uh, and when you hear in the demo, in the, in that, um, video you you hear it playing and it's like it sounds like it's full velocity you know I, i'm sure there's a yeah. way to, to 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 calibrate yeah i think it has to be it has to be done apply, yeah it will apply for the whole thing for every single note so this is what it's this is one thing it's lacking as opposed to those yamaha uh, mechanical pianos which you which except midi and you can play and that that those will respond to to velocity um, and also I was thinking if you wanted to create to sample a piano you you can you can actually write it 
with with a with a blade on a piece of of paper you just kind of um make lines make little mm. sort of uh lines on the paper and it will play each note uh for like an hour or something like that and you can sample that piano these are my interesting my thoughts it's an interest. Yeah, I just think it's a fascinating thing. I mean, the way the way that it all it's all put together. I think that what there was also is um, there one there, there ones that are recorded strictly to a grid, and what they'd have is sort of almost guidance. So you would be told to kind of slow up and speed down. There's there are these sort of lines in the paper which come as they're coming through there'd be a line that would be sort of squiggled in and say i'll turn up the tempo a little bit here bring it down or make but, it louder make it quieter so the notes would be in sorry but but pre presumably if the hand of the guy or, or whatever the machine was that was turning it while it was punched if you recreate the same speed on playback then you will have captured the the you know the performance as well the the time oh yeah no it tells well. you what it tells you what to, it tells you what uh what what to set the the, the playback speed ah, so on the piano the velocity. Yeah. yeah well the velocity that the tempo is not the velocity yeah, <laughs> i'm the not quite sure about the, how the velocity would work yeah Maybe the size of the hole. It's an interesting, yeah. I, but I, the dynamics are the are, are the are the challenging part. I think. No, the holes have the holes have equal sizes. The mm, holes are equal, so. all equal. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yo, absolutely right. I, if I may, just add one brief story. When I was working uh, in the 1980s doing home theater installations, I ended up putting a projection TV in the home of a guy whose house was a museum of mechanical musical instruments, and I saw things there. I've never seen before or since. Sure, he had player pianos and he had roles recorded by like Rachmaninoff and people like that. He had all he had like this amazing collection of things to play on it. He built a wing on his house and put a pipe organ in it so that he could play roles in the pipe organ. He had these giant sets of furniture chimes that would be played with these circular discs with the holes cut uh concentrically and it would be mounted on a sort of a turntable and the thing would the disc would turn and some of these discs were like two feet wide and the chimes were like you know four feet long and they would play songs on the chimes using these discs and Fantastic. he had similar similar devices that would sit on a tabletop and these were beautiful polished wooden pieces of furniture with these mechanical players in them and they had and he had all these discs that he could put into his house was like unbelievable i'd never i've never seen anything like it before or since and it's been a long time but uh his name was bauer and he disappeared and I've never nice yeah, there's yeah. Uh, there's uh, there are a number of places with just all this sort of fantastic mechanical stuff in it. Um, okay, right. Well, let, uh, let's let's get. I'm just trying to think whether to go whether to go next. So there's the like Arkisonus. <laughs> Maybe this is a quick one. If we go, uh, I think if I hit that and then I hit that, Arkisonus. Uh, yeah, this is actually um, on uh, uh, showed up on Pro Tools Expert. Oh, we're getting a load of because it doesn't remember the cookies. Um, Meta, uh, yes, the company Facebook, have just bought Acusonus, which is a really big deal. Acusonus effectively do a lot of audio restoration. They're kind of a version of 
the the isotope restoration bundle, but it's not them. So I wonder whether Meta, you know, would have been interested in buying Isotope, but they bought uh, 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 um because they said yes, and maybe Isotope didn't. I, this is all complete speculation. But what this really throws up, I mean, is more that a company of that scale and of that size is buying this kind of technology, getting involved in music technology. This is a really interesting idea, and I'm wondering what. What does this mean, and maybe what would they use it for? I, I mean, I'm trying to think, because audio restoration may be things, because a lot of the Acusonus ERA6, it was kind of single knob stuff. It's quite straightforward, but modular real-time uh, audio restoration. I don't know. Yoad, you're the, you're the coder and the, uh, the, the product. It's an interesting move, do you think? Yeah, two okay. words. My, my, you know, my, my two cents. Uh, track separation. The, the ability ah. to separate tracks from a stereo or mono recording, because that opens, uh, you know, that that's that's where it's all going, and uh, <clears throat> the whole AI technology and the whole uh, ability to to separate tracks. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with. It's a funny name. A A A L A L a.ai or something like that um they they can separate you you upload the file and they separate the the, the guitars the vocals the bass the drums um it's quite unbelievable because you can uh, it, it does it uh you hear some artifacts but when you when you have other instruments either the same. So you can rebalance, you can take a Beatles song, you can separate it to its stems, if you like, or groups, and and you can rebalance it and you can remix it. And uh, so it's true that when you hear each stem separately, you have some artifacts, but those are quite at low level and they easily get masked masked uh, as soon as you as you have any other track either from the original or or something new so this this is huge because um that allows for uh for instance again something we talked about dolby atmos mixing you have a two track you have an old elvis track or something that you only have it on you don't have the multi-track uh, i'm yeah. sure they have someone less sort of um famous L litigious uh, <laughs> you can just separate the you can re get you know re reuse the multi-track from the stereo from the master recording and this is huge so you can mix it in surround you can um adapt it to make it adapt to kind of vr and gaming and stuff so it's it's massive i can totally see why they would purchase a company that has that owns some of those technologies interesting uh greek plumbing developer um formed in 2013 uh th they reckon according to the article maybe somewhere between 70 to 100 million euros which is a nice i mean i'd love i, I wish we had some ai tech rich maybe we should develop some quick <laughs> i again stand on the shoulders of an outstanding <laughs> presentation by yoad and say yeah me too um all that as i can understand too why they would want a company like that looking after their audio needs maybe unrelated to the specific products 
that we're familiar with they're having developed. Although the technologies involved in those products may come into play as they become involved, but it probably goes far beyond that. And also owning those technologies, buying the technologies with the company, you know, so I can see all of that. Mm, yeah, interesting. I know, Don, what do you reckon? I mean, I know you've been saying a lot about, you know, the the, 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 the idea of creating audio for VR, and this just seems like, you know, there you go. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it hadn't occurred to me that it was for the separation stuff, uh, but I know Facebook have—they've got their own guy. Uh, there's a there's a some some stuff on their on their blog about uh, a chap uh, called um, De Fosses. Um, is part of their PhD in in Facebook, literally doing that, and he's separating the audio, but he's specifically working on putting back the bits that get crunched, which is quite an interesting way of doing it. So, so the tech exists like behind the isotope stuff um, and all that kind of stuff, which will pull it apart spectrally and go, okay, here's the vocal. It's pretty good, but it's obviously there's a bit missing here and there, and they're now looking at how to put that back together. So it's a combination of stuff. So it does look good, although that that wasn't the thing that sort of hit me when I read about it more. Theirs was more about um, cleaning up audio and sort of real-time stuff, which made me think um, it may be something to do more on the video side of things. It's a nice, nice tech to end, but that is a chunk of cash. So you're going to get a lot more than that is for something quite specialised, isn't it? Yeah. So, so I mean, <laughs> they must have had a, they must have had something they were about to go to market with that they, that, that they, you know, actually Facebook looked at it and went, do you know what, guys, you know, come and work for us instead. So it's clearly not just their existing um, product base. They must have some good tech in there, which is great. The isotope stuff and a lot of the, the there's a few things you can up load stuff to and get back a kind of un, unmuxed version uh, all relies on very similar uh, technology. I didn't realize it. Uh, there is some libraries around that have been developed that you can actually use. And I, I tried to find them when this thing came out. I haven't managed to, but they are, they are available. Um, so building your own version of that better is probably quite a big deal um, for the people that are out there because they, they are making use of kind of uh, it's not necessarily open source, but available technology that they can't get their fingers on. So, so yeah, interesting. But that, yeah, I, I can't wait to see because that is a that's a chunk of cash for for something, and I don't think they're yeah. is anywhere near that. So, yeah, amazing. Good luck to them. Well, that's if anyone's uh, if anyone's going to acquire you, I mean, you could feel fairly confident that uh, Meta would be able to afford pretty much any price that you put. <laughs> yeah, two, I, mean, like, well, I want to be bought by Meta or Apple, please. If uh, any of those, or Google, any of those three, I'll be happy to accept offers uh, in the are region. You still, um, well, are you still working on the Bitcoin NFT blockchain AI audio plugin that, that Sonic State's putting together? Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't talk about it, though. To... Yeah, okay, cool. cool, cool. <laughs> and, Don, you, you can call it the Face Insinuator. Yes. <laughs> Face incinerator. Yeah, nice idea. Yeah, I like it. Uh, cool. Anyway, yeah, I thought that I thought it was worth mentioning because it's that's big news for our little, our essentially niche. I mean, seventy million euros or a hundred million euros or even any million euros is a lot for 
something that niche. But uh, yeah, pretty cool. Okay, uh, we are sort of getting kind of near the end. I know I wanted to do a couple more things, but maybe what I'll do is I'll just one while I was uh, um, lying in my bed feeling sorry for myself, I was thinking oh, I must watch some stuff because I at the time uh, we didn't want to infect our daughter and she hadn't kind of legged it yet, so I was staying up in my room and I watched this really great video uh, which I, I saw came out. I'll just play a little bit. This of is the number we always play when people ask us to play more because we know that after we play this they couldn't possibly ever want to hear us again we were loud yeah i'm probably not allowed to play any of that because it's all very copyrighted but it's a news op zapper documentary by alex winter uh just filled to the brim of stuff you've probably never seen before star of the show for me has got to be ruth underwood i mean she was just fantastic ruth underwood longtime percussionist with uh, the zappa band played during uh well uh, transitionally from the original mother's invention she was involved in that and then also to the george duke era because george duke played with uh, zappa along with many brilliant brilliant musicians steve by alda miola you know there's lots of people who you perhaps didn't know played with zappa but they did and he was one of those bands leaders who effectively you know he got the most out of out of his band and was doing stuff that nobody else was doing and a really fascinating documentary i'll, I'll come to you again rich because i know you're probably a zapper uh, fan like i've been since my childhood i really i just love zapper stuff i mean some of it's a bit unpalatable lyrically but musically it's just out there well he was not the filters were off with frank and he was not uh, he was not taking any hostages or anything. He was just going for it. And there was some very controversial lyrical stuff. It's true. The musical stuff was adventurous from day one, though. And he always kind of marched to his own drummer and lived through uh, some bad record company deals and ultimately struck out on his own and was one of the first people to own his own record label, his own recording studio, his own recording truck, uh, hiring giant bands of incredibly talented people on yearly contracts and uh and basically becoming a school one of a few schools that i can name but uh, a school for these kinds of things and that the people who came through this were like transformed in the rest of for the rest of their career in many cases and uh, some of those guys get back together and play zappa music with the blessing of the family trust so that's cool too wow and weasel yeah, to play. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 just a. I thought it's a really interesting documentary. It's like an hour. I think you can get it on Amazon Prime. Uh, there are a few other places. It's you know rent. I don't know. Um, I have a feeling, Yoad, that you may be uh, a, a Zappa fan. Being a guitarist, I mean, you can't really say that. Uh, um, some of his guitar solos aren't some of the finest and also the most interesting sonically perhaps as well because of the way that he processed his guitar was very unusual i mean he was a pioneer of multi using pizza pickups and um, you know regular pickups as well as very specific kind of wah wah settings and really unusual so i don't know whether or not and i suspect he probably maybe was involved in in some music technology stuff by going i want my guitar to sound like this but i don't know much about it um, i'm sure he was and a apart from from all his stuff being musically just unbelievable uh sonically like ship arriving too late uh it's it just sounds amazing it's like uh for its time definitely but even now when you put it on but it, obviously it's a lot it, a lot of it comes from the playing but the the whole thing the whole production the whole um 
um, conducting, if you like, on the, of the music, which is basically producing the sound that moves the air in the studio that make making it able to get a great recording so it's the whole the whole thing and it's just um for me it's it's uh, there's always something quite depressing about uh about listening to to his music i love his music but there's there's an element of uh, he's such a genius that on so many levels as a guitarist just him as a guitarist alone that's already huge and as a as a arranger as a writer yeah the lyrics are debatable but uh but that's not what i'm in for you know what i mean it's just um uh, unbelievable just unbelievable and um, yeah it's uh he was so ahead of his time in so many ways uh and he had so many ideas um that sometimes you wish those little segments of music he would he would expand them and and create a yeah. whole song <laughs> of them because they're so good uh but he would just yeah 20 seconds of that let's move to something else and unbelievable there's a great story in there as well where um uh, uh valley girl which i think is on ship arriving too late to say with drowning yeah. witch uh which was the Chad Wackerman band, uh, where I think that was the bass, the, the drummer, and, and there's another a guitarist, I forget who was involved in that. But uh, that came about, that was his biggest hit. Ma he had a massive college radio hit in the US, which he found very amusing because the record company would all getting involved, going, Oh, so right, what are you going to do a follow up? And he's going, No, I, I don't want to do a follow up. I'm completely surprised that this happened. I don't want to do any more records like this. But that came out of the fact that he was such a workaholic and so kind of single-minded that his daughter put a little note under his door saying daddy um you know i'm my name is you know moon uh, i haven't seen you for a while i hope everything's all right um you know essentially could we hang out together i could do a really good valley girl um um uh accent would you like to hear it and then they made a record together and oh. it was his biggest hit it's just such a it was you know oh. it's sad, both sad and and you know interesting yeah, at the same lovely. time but uh yeah, I'm it such a Neanderthal, uh, such a pop Neanderthal growing up. It's, it went completely over my head. I'd, I'd love to know more about him. What should I listen to to educate myself on the on the Zappa catalogue? Because it's it's kind of so much there. Hot Rats so, is a good Joe's one. Garage. Joe's Garage. Yeah, the guitar solo right. at the end of Joe's Garage, Watermelon Easter Hay, is possibly one of the most beautiful and the most emotional guitar solos ever made, ever played, I would say. But, wow. uh, Rich, what would you recommend Dom listens to? Oh, oh. Sound your voice. <laughs> ah, there he is. Well, you know, the heat's been taken on, so I'm trying to be polite. Um... The Roxy and Elsewhere album from the early 70s is sort of an essential one to me. The live mm -hmm. performance, I mean, all of them, Chic Your Booty, <laughs> Chic, like yeah. Chic from and Your Shake, Booty, Y-E-R-B-O-U-T-I, yeah, -E um, is a pretty great album. Uh, Broadway, The Hard Way is a pretty great album. Uh, Fabulous, thank you. They're almost all built in the later period on basic tracks that were recorded live at gigs and he would strip away whatever or add to whatever and quite often you would have these incredible live bands i mean they would have four hours of rehearsal on a show day wow 
these guys yeah. and they maintained a huge catalog and it was i do know some people who were around this thing and i know the guy who mm -hmm. recorded a lot of it may he rest in peace mark pinsky um and i've just heard a ton of stories i never i did actually meet frank once i met frank oh wow at an aes mm -hmm. show in new york city standing in a stairwell watching a guitarist we had never seen before with our mouths agape, the guy's name was Stanley Jordan, who subsequently became known very much as a two-handed-on-the-neck kind of guitar player and became subsequently famous. Nice. But at this time, nobody knew him. And I found myself in a stairwell amongst like four people watching Stanley Jordan. One of them was Frank Zappa, and we all got led down the hall to the Synclavier room because they wanted to see if his playing would translate on the new Synclavier guitar. And uh, that was my one time meeting Frank, and we were just both kind of there as spectators at, at wow. an event. Uh, I mean, I saw him perform umpteen times throughout the whole course of it. The first time was in 1973, I believe. And I saw the last tour in 1988, and I saw a bunch of tours in between. And, uh, yeah, I was a huge fan. Still am. Yeah. Wow. No, it's great. I, also, I would like to say one of the best synth solos of, of all times uh, in a prog sort of style has got to be uh, George Duke's Inca Roads, uh, which is... Oh, yeah. Uh, that is one of the best, because he starts on a Rhodes, Inca then he Rhodes. goes on to an Arp, Arp, Arp Odyssey, I think it is. Is it an Odyssey he plays? And it's just beautiful. Yes. It's really... Yeah, he does an Odyssey yeah. solo. Exactly. It's an Arp Odyssey solo. And he was yeah, he was I, really adept at the pitch bend knob, which not many people got in the ARP world. And it was like troubling to them because people were like Moog wheeling all over the place. And pe very few people were very successful with trying to do that in the ARP. It made them change technologies and go to this three-button technology called proportional pitch control, I believe it was, PPC, where you had these three rubbery buttons that you would try to do it on. But that George could operate that knob like nobody's business and, and was an incredible player and nice man. I had the yeah. pleasure to meet. But yeah, thoroughly recommend you do the documentary. It's uh, Zappa uh, 20, if you just look for Zappa 2020, I think it is, uh, if I remember correctly. Let me just see if I can find it. What's it called? Yeah, by, oh, Zappa by Alex Winter. It shows up and it's, it's accessible via most places. It, it's just a great, I mean, the stuff that, you know, he did and the was around, you know, because he started off in the 1950s. You know, his dad was uh, like a... a a, a, a chemical engineer, you know, <laughs> in somewhere. I don't remember where he was, but yeah, just, and he just, yeah, amazing, amazing life story and uh, very prolific, as we know. Um, I suppose we could stop there. There are a couple of topics I wanted to get to, but I think we can save that. I'm, I need something for uh, for those quiet weeks and who knows how it's going to be going. But uh, just also to let you know that uh, Superbooth uh, tickets are on sale. I know they're very keen to get people out there. It's going to be a great show. Lots of people going. We're going. We're going to be doing our thing. That's going to be in May, uh, May 14th. There's, uh, there's a couple of links on our site, so do check it out. But guys, thank you so much. Dom, how, how, uh, how's it going? I noticed it seems to have settled down. Have can you, I hold you it, got Captain? Top of it? If I can just get to the oh, the dilemma. No, it seems crystals. to be working. It's uh, it's not looping anymore. It was arguing with another bot that was posting stuff back from YouTube into IRC, so they were just kind of going around in circles. But I think we've cured that. Ah. It's kind of working, I think. As a first go live coding experience, um, yeah. Apologies to uh, to Wagyu for messing with his scripts, but yeah, it seems to be good. So 
I can see Richard Hilton in the YouTube chat, which is a first because he's normally hiding in the IRC, which is probably on purpose, perhaps. I'm not sure, but it's, his, his posts are now for everyone to no. see. It's just I've been yeah, there I'll, I'll, all this time. I've just been yeah, using yeah, yeah. that all this time. So cool. it's kind of weird. Exactly. It preceded the other hangs, and I just... Yeah, absolutely. It's where it started, wasn't it? It's where it all began. So, yeah, we just wanted to try and, uh, and make it kind of so everybody could see the whole vibrancy of the whole community. If you're interested, actually, you can join us on Discord as well. We've got a Discord, uh, which I'm trying to be a bit more uh, active on. Uh, we've been posting some of our uh, – oh, I forgot to plug our Patreon, didn't I? Uh, I've been posting a load of um, – archive footage up there we found a load of a load of videos from pre-2007 um starting to post those up there uh like interviews and really early um nam stuff uh i think i posted the 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 launch video for uh melodyne dna which was oh, the first melodyne which was a really it was like a rock star moment that was a very equivalent sort of thing so there's that's all coming up we started a new channel called sonic state extra where all of that stuff will go so if we post 40 videos from nam 2008 you're not going to end up with uh, a load of spam in your new video from us but uh, anyway uh, rich thank you so much for joining us it's been a pleasure i'm i feel like i'm i'm back on the case uh and uh, I, I think if you speak will your voice be heard it, well i heard i know why you were doing what you were doing because your heating is uh, is ticking away there yeah i'm trying not to distract from the show but anyway lovely to be with you guys always and uh, really enjoyed the show thank you have a great show in uh, Colombia uh, and enjoy the coffee. <laughs> I'll be sure to have some, yes. <laughs> okay, and also, Mr. Yoad Nevo, uh, thank you for joining us. I guess, uh, are you back to mixing or, or developing? What's what's on your on your desk at the moment? Um, today, I have um, actually a 5.1 mix to do, which I haven't done for a very long time it's all dolby atmos but um it's for film and it's 5.1 so the music is 5.1 uh so i'm going to attend to that uh and more wave stuff uh tomorrow yeah great well lovely to have you like i said thank you very much for joining us and also mr dom hawken thank you for joining us too mr wiggly uh incinerator absolute pleasure and, thank you for having me uh, who's on your show this sunday you've got a show uh, a birthday show i guess uh, no, no, <laughs> we might have one every five sooner or later. Uh, Grace Griffin, who's a, a very interesting character, grew up uh, roadieing for some amazing bands and now really into synths and all sorts of stuff. So uh, she's going to be really good, a really, really interesting background. So uh, it's another person that you've never heard of, which should be a, a really good show. So that's uh, excellent. Looking forward to it. I have tentatively touted the fact that you may be on show number 50. So I'll happily, that's not for about eight or nine weeks or something something so i'll happily kill that rumor if it doesn't come together but no i, I, I really do want to do it I, I i would like to i think that I, I i thought oh maybe i should do it while i was off sick but then i thought no i'd be so brainless sunday night would not have been a good night for me to be on the show I'd be <laughs> hacking away uh, <laughs> well i haven't copied too much but uh, anyway dom thank you so much and thank you for okay, for making you. that connection it looks like it's now working we can have a debrief there. at pretty some other there. point, but it looks like it's there. So yeah, exactly. uh, the YouTube chat, as you can see, there are, um, I think there are, well, I don't know what's going on there. Bye-bye, everybody. I just switched it off yeah, briefly whilst, whilst you were chatting. All right, there we yeah, go. Fair enough.
Yeah, there we go. Anyway, thank you very much. That was Sonic Talk, episode 707. Uh, also stands for, you don't forget, 707, quite a big number. MC 707 and the uh, TR 707, drum machine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably are some others as well. I'm sure there are others, but uh, I didn't do much research on that. Anyway, that's it. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Bye-bye now. <laughs>